Hi, welcome to Your Team with Sue and Steph. I'm Sue. And I'm Steph, and we're the co-founders and owners of Your Team Media, the resource for parenting tweens and teens. We're here today to talk about extraordinary circumstances that we're in right now. We've got, number one, a pandemic, which all of us are trying to figure out what to do with. And then on a smaller scale, but significant in some homes, is we've got college kids home. Right after spring break or before spring break, they're stuck here. Colleges have gone online and dorms have closed. And both Stephanie and I are dealing with that situation. And I envision it being a little challenging based on the week of vacation of going to bed very, very late and waking up very, very late and feeling myself think, like, if it was a week, no big deal. Like, you can do that (laughs) schedule. But we got a lot more months until he goes back to college. So how about you? How are you feeling? Yeah, same thing. And um, we have another layer where um, my son's school, he's a sophomore in college, and they've not been so clear on these kids who are living off campus, what they're supposed to do. And so, you know, it's putting us in the spot. He has an extra week of spring break, same as Sue's son. And we're sitting here thinking like, huh. And he's got a couple of roommates that are still there that, you know, live within the state. It's easy to get back and forth. So we're sitting here scratching our heads wondering, how to advise him. And what are we comfortable with? I'm not even sure what I'm comfortable with. That's the other thing. It's I think if I knew how I felt, it's a lot easier. Then we could have a conversation. Well, daddy and I feel this way and let's talk about like, but I don't even know. I think I'm, I'm, I'm soul searching. Yeah. Well, I was going to take a walk today with a friend and I told Dan and he said, are you going to walk six feet apart from each other? And I was like, well, that, why would I go with somebody that would just be walking alone. And he said, well, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't really think you should do that. And, you know, on Friday, Stephanie and I are out in a restaurant having lunch like all is normal. And then all of a sudden, the governor of Ohio puts these edicts out and the rest of the world is doing the same thing. And there's this feeling of like, I mean, my street, there's no activity. Every once in a while, someone is walking a dog, but it is so quiet out there. It's crazy. Yeah. Now I walked, I was just thinking that's why I walked about two hours ago. I saw a ton of people out walking, you know, so even just down, I was, walking down in the gorge not far from here. And normally I'm usually the only one in there and I could see people walking. And then even coming back across our town, I saw lots of people out with their dogs, kids on bikes. And, you know, it's funny on one hand, I thought, oh, this is so lovely. Look, everyone's outside. And then I was like, oh, everyone's outside. (laughs) I didn't know how to respond again. I just, I have such mixed feelings about all of it because it's, it's unchartered territory. Yeah. So I think one of the things I was thinking about is like, what's going to drive me the most crazy having a college uh-huh. kid home? The sleep pattern will drive me crazy. I'm with you other, on that one. But the other piece of it is because it wasn't canceled and we're not like, okay, well, what should we do to fill his time? He actually will have the same uh, commitments that he had while he was living on campus. They're going to have classes online. Now I'm a, kind of a part of his schedule. So if it looks like he's watching, I can't remember which show he's watching right now. Oh, um, this is us. And I said to him, how many could you watch in a row? And he said, let's see. <laughs> and so, right. I don't want to be a part of that story. I do not want to be a part yeah. of that story for sure. For sure. I, it, it will be very interesting. It's, I was thinking about the comparison I keep making in my head is when my kids have been away in college, I'm not lying awake at night wondering what's happening. But as soon as they're back in my sphere, all of a sudden Thanksgiving week, Christmas break, I'm waking up at 2, 2.30. I'm like, did I hear him come in? Is the car in the driveway popping up? You know, so 
I'm doing that on some, some subconscious level. So now what is this going to look like? I feel like I'm going to be back in that, that whole zone. Yeah. It's like in high school, like I never looked at their Schoology or whatever they used, not because I didn't want to know, but once I know now, all of a sudden I'm like, Hey, why are you going out tonight? If you have a test tomorrow. And I didn't, I didn't want to be involved in his work. And so I, I never went out. I didn't even have a password that I password that I knew. And that's what college is to me. It's this freedom for me. It's liberating for me. I, I don't know what to worry about, so I can't worry. But now, <laughs> now they're home. Now they're home. And right. it's like, where, where are you going? Where are you going? Is like the most innocuous question to ask, unless you're a college kid who's trapped at home. And then where are you going is like, I don't know. I'll let you know if I need to tell you, you know? <laughs> oh my God. It's so true. I was thinking about like, it's like a tree falling in the forest, right? If no one's there to hear it. And same thing as you were talking to so about being like part of their story. And I'm thinking maybe we need like a move. We need to start a movement for all of us that have college kids at home. Like hashtag take me out of the story. Because that's how I feel. I feel like I don't, I don't want to be a part of the story, but I don't know how I'm going to do that. Yeah. So hopefully Debbie Paris is going to give us some great tips on how we're going to navigate this. But so far I'm feeling like I can kind of temper my reaction, but it's pretty new. Like he was supposed to be going back yes. to school today. So I, yes. that we come, you know, we come with him is lovely, but he, he was laughing at me because I was counting the decks of cards and organizing them in my attempt to like, I thought, okay, I'll clean out all the toys that nobody uses and I'll offer it to neighbors who have young kids and it will be like a boon to them and freedom for me. So I started with the cards and, you know, it does make an annoying noise when you're counting the cards. So I I had them and you, you know, you have to put them by suit and then count them and do this whole thing. And so he kept increasing the volume on the TV, which got to a point where Dan finally goes, Oh my God, turn the volume down. Oh my and he's God. like, well, you two are making so much noise. And I thought, this is it. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is the conversation that will happen for another six months or so, you know? Right. I was just sitting here thinking that right now we, we seem pretty calm. We, we would both have our sense of humor, but that is mid-March. Check, you know, it's kind of like the meme we always put on your team to check in on your friends who have teams. We are not okay. <laughs> check in on us in a couple of weeks. See how we're doing, right? I mean, I think it's true for everyone. I don't think, I think that, you know, this is, this is new, this idea of having a kid home who belongs in a dorm somewhere. And actually just being home by yourself or being home with your spouse. It's, I think it's a lot of empty time to fill. Oh yeah. Someone just sent me, um, and a uh, text that said she wants to write an article called spousal distancing. We are going to try and uplift ourselves. What are we going to do, Steph? What are you going to do to try to make lemons out of lemonade? Lemonade. Yeah, out that's of a lemons. good one. I think we may have to get back into puzzles. We've moved away from puzzles a little bit here. So I think those are, those are coming back. I was thinking about all those kids who can't get meals, like who, who rely on school to get meals. Mm. So hopefully that's happening at a systemic level because you know, I'd love to help out, but I don't know what that looks like. Also, I saw the nicest thing. Someone, I don't think it was a celebrity, but I can't remember, but they offered on social media to give $100 to 10 people who are struggling right now to help them, which of course is a drop in the bucket and doesn't really yeah. take someone but if it out of crisis. someone else. Yeah. So let's try and stay inspired and up and be thankful for the things that we have and the things that are making us crazy. Debbie Paris is going to help us with those. Today, our guest is Debbie Paris, a licensed independent social worker with over 40 years of experience helping families navigate life. She has a calm, practical approach to raising teenagers that always guides us. One of my favorite pieces of wisdom that she shared with us 
It happened a long time ago, and I repeat it all the time. So Debbie has grandchildren. And I asked her one time, you know, everybody in our community goes to Debbie Paris for advice on raising their kids, but her own kids might not be that interested in her advice. And so I said to her one time, what do you do? Like, are they, do they invite your wisdom? Because she has so much wisdom to share. And she said, I go by the rule that if I don't answer a question that hasn't been asked. So with that wisdom, I turn to Debbie Paris to help us figure out what we do with kids home from college right now. Debbie Paris, and we are going to have an amazing conversation about those of us who have college kids who now live in our house for the second semester of this year, because many, maybe all at some point, but many have closed the campuses and are doing online learning for the rest of the semester. I'm one of those parents, and it occurred to me that I have entered into a space I know nothing about, and so I reached out to Debbie, who knows everything. And I said, what do we do as parents? Like we have actually separated from our kids in a normal way. They're off to college. And now we didn't know what to worry about last semester. We didn't know what schedule they were keeping. We didn't know. I mean, if they were failing out, we might've heard about it. We might not even have. Um, And here they are in our house. We're going to have it on top of us. So what do we do with this scenario? Well, I think the first thing is to contextualize where these kids are developmentally, because that always drives what we do. And of course, this is the age and stage of differentiation and individuation and sort of developing a self-identity. And it doesn't start out as a sort of calm, thoughtful process. There's a fair amount of testing, experimentation, acting out the charge of a new experience. So the first thing we want to remember is how they are now is not how they're going to turn out because this is a developmental stage that they're navigating. You, <laughs> <Ew>, right. <laughs> the other piece of it is, given the circumstances, this isn't what they want and this isn't what you want. So everybody is coming into this thinking like, what the heck do we do with all of this? And I don't like this. And I think that the first thing we want to think about is how do we support the developmental step without going along with behavior that is antithetical to family life and home life, because that's where the the clash comes. They were working things out at college in a way that had privacy, had peers, had, you know, a, a surround that could permit this. Coming back into the bosom of the family is both coming into a different kind of community, but it's also coming into a regressive community where we regress as parents and they regress as kids. So all that said, I think the most important thing is to realize that we're not going to have control where we just get to say the rules and they're going to have to do it. That doesn't work, but it also doesn't support the developmental stuff we're trying to uh, support and enable. So I think what we want to do is think about how we do something with them instead of how we do something to them. I want to stop and already say that I feel like you just, you already shifted the way I'm looking at my personal experience because I I feel much warmer toward the experience already just from your words. So thank you. Oh, good. Because I think what gets set up, Sue, in in what you're describing is a sort of adversarial position where it's we're the parents and they're the kid and you do what I say because I said so, which has a place in development. It doesn't necessarily have a place in this stage of development. So the conversation would be how uncomfortable this is for everybody, as much as you all love each other. 
nobody is in the place they want to be. The kids didn't want to come home and nothing personal to your kids, but you didn't want them to come back home because you wanted them to have this time to learn about themselves and life outside the house. So given that, what makes sense in terms of respecting the community in which they're living? And unfortunately, they're not living in a community that's peers. So first of all, I would like to say, I think I, who, with all of us, is, you know, some questions about the value and limitations of social media. I think for kids right now, it's incredibly important to be able to be in touch with the people they need to be in touch with. So that's A. B, they need to have some control over their lives when they study, when they don't. But C, they also have to set some limits for themselves with you providing the surround saying, what would be more respectful to younger siblings, to parents, to some kind of, not curfew, but sense of living a life that they're going to be living for the next X number of weeks or months. So that's a dialogue rather than a manifesto. You know, you were saying, Sue, that he came home and for a week it was fine. You know, it's what kids do for a week. It's not going to be fine for three months. And that's probably the beginning of the dialogue to say, yeah, we get this, but now all the circumstances have changed. What can we work out together? So does this make sense to you? Yeah, it makes sense in theory. I'm wondering how it works in reality when we might not think that that conversation should end up in the same place. For example, my dog barks when he comes home late in my house. So we've talked about what an hour is that's fair to do to us. But in an ongoing way, when you've had all this freedom, I mean, we gave him that freedom joyfully. We want him to have it. I just don't need to have it where I'm worrying about it. I think what you want to remember is it's this again, it's not just an external thing. You're actually trying to mobilize an internal piece of him that says, uh, I, you know, I'm waking up my parents every night. <laughs> so not through, you're a terrible person, you're waking us up every night, but yeah. you're a good kid. You don't really want to, you know, feel like this is, you know, such an uncomfortable position for you and us when you come in at three in the morning and the dog barks. So I'm going to ask you, you know, if you're going to be out until three in the morning, to let us know that can be a once in a while thing. But in general, I think if you could get in by one, that would be, you know, better for us. Now, I also think the other thing that's going to happen is crashing at other kids' houses, right? which is okay, as long as it's done in a way that feels not full of acting out, but more as a sort of sensible solution to a difficult situation. I mean, it um, is a, it, it's a... It happens the first summer they come home from college, right? Like there's a lot of this tension playing out that first summer. Yes, but there's more structure in place. Yeah. You know, usually kids want to get a job. No, they want to be together. And I will say the big driving force is wanting to be with peers. So if you're looking at this in a functional way, you want to provide for a way for them to be with peers. Uh, That said, you don't want five acting out or drinking teenage boys staying at your house every night, nor do they want to do that in front of you. So it's, I, I, you know, I wish I had a, a, a sort of recipe, you know, with steps. I don't think it can work like that. I think it has to be more testing the waters, trying it out, seeing what works. But I do think that instead of saying, you're being disrespectful, don't do that. You want to say, look, this is one of the cases where it's so uncomfortable for you to be at home. 
because you do need to think about everybody in the household and that isn't what you want to be doing. It's identifying, it's always helps in a conversation to identify the negative feelings. One thing I'm thinking came up in a conversation when we were talking about what it was going to be like for us to have our kids home from college was someone said they were the kind of parent in high school that monitored the kids' acti- the kids' work activity, school activity. So, you know, it, it hasn't been so much time if you have a freshman, for example, where you've changed that habit. And when you talk about regressive behavior being on both sides, uh-huh. what do you recommend to, to parents who, you know, they... They can't stand it that the kid is not getting the work done in a a timely way that they would want to see happen. It's actually kind of torturing them, right? Yeah, I can understand that. However, it isn't about them. It's about the kid, unfortunately. (laughs) We're about them. We can fix it. (laughs) We can fix it then. That would be great. What you want to remember is that the monitoring that you all did in high school was not so that you would continue to be the monitors, but so that they would develop some self-reliance, self-control, self-structure. And true, freshman year, it, it sort of goes out the window, but then it comes back to center. So I think the sort of more benign intervention is to say, you know, we know you've been handling this at school. It's hard for us. We're used to hovering. But we are going to trust you that you do this in a way that works for you, but that is appropriate. And then, unfortunately, you have to handle your own anxiety about it. And, you know, I listen, I'm much older. My kids are grown. But I can still feel when they're there, well, why haven't you called so-and-so? You know, <laughs> it would make me feel better if you called them. It's <laughs> like, it would make me feel better if you got this paper done. And that's where I'm saying it's not about us. We have to live with that if we're going to let them figure this out and also sort of respect that they're developing as people and trusted some. And it's hard to trust when you see behavior that's so antithetical to what you want them to end up as. Do you think it's okay sometimes to say to your kid, it would make me feel better if you did this? Like, is that a fair negotiation? No. (laughs) (laughs) This way, it's not a successful negotiation. Really? We, well, we can get, it's, it's a Pyrrhic victory. You can get them to do it, but what's the mastery piece in that? Oh, I'm supposed to be pleasing somebody else, Ugh. opposed to, you know, what, figuring out what works for you. I'll tell you what's a good line. You could say, look, freshman year is figuring out what works for you. In high school, you didn't have to figure that out so much because you had all the guidelines. And what we'd like you to do is take a look at what is productive for you, what feels good, what, where you succeed the way you want to succeed. And that's knowing yourself from the inside. And we need to give you some space to do that. And that's hard for us. But it is true. Kids cannot learn about themselves if we don't let them learn about themselves. It's hard. It's sometimes mean letting somebody blow it. Yeah, I think that um, your advice, I know your advice is is rock solid. I'm thinking about the the flaws in, in our characters that don't let us move into that space so readily. So you've got a kid who's miserable about being home, a parent who's hovering, and all of that is a setup for disaster. So everybody has to kind of... Well, first of all, I don't see it as a flaw in character. It's, it's people feeling what they feel. This is a very unusual circumstance. So maybe I'm laying out sort of the idyllic conversation you know, I always laugh that a conversation with any kid is you say something and three weeks later you get the real response. <laughs> you know, so it's an ongoing conversation. 
But I guess I'm saying that the surround has to be mutually respectful. And that is something that you can appeal to if you acknowledge what in them you need to respect, not just demand what respect you feel you deserve. So can you give an example of that? I think that's acknowledging the negative feelings. I think it's saying, look, I know you love us, but there's no way you want to be home right now. There's no way this is how you envisioned your freshman year. So this is very disappointing and very challenging for all concerned. So we want to respect that you need autonomy and you need to figure out how to do things yourself at the same time you're living in the community of your, of your family. So it's, I guess what I'm saying is it's more defining it, that we both have something going on here that is challenging and we don't want. Other than that, there isn't a roadmap. It's really more listening and giving them an opportunity to be heard. And I think that's very hard when we as parents are very anxious about the behavior we're seeing. We want to lay down the law. (laughs) I'm very practical. You can lay down the law all you want. It ain't going to work. So is this, I mean, the times are unusual. We're experiencing something that most of us haven't experienced in our lifetime. Would this, does this dynamic occur anyway? This is this dynamic on steroids, the push-pull of development and the progression and regression of development, because development is you take two steps forward and one step back. It's not just a smooth line, which is what we all wish, but that ain't the way it goes. But these are, this is like a Petri dish for emotional things, as well as a Petri dish for the virus. And I think kids are very scared, actually. I would like to say one of the things I'm hearing is kids are very anxious about what's going on and what it means to them. And when people are anxious, they defend against it. They protect themselves. And some of that is, I don't care, this is silly, or acting out or going for pleasure or getting paranoid and having to wash their hands 60 times or you know, worried about contamination. It'll vary as much as people are varied. But if you identify that there's an anxiety about it, I think that's very helpful. I also think it's always helpful to look for a place for somebody to be active. If the kids were home in the summer, they'd have summer jobs. It might be that you can say, look, you're home, you've got time in your hands. Maybe we want to provide food kits for kids in the inner city. You know, Maybe we want to see what we can do to help some. Are you interested in that? That will work for some kids, not all kids. As individual as the kids are on one hand, and it's as general as all development is on the other. So it's finding that intersection that is is where the conversation is going to be. Okay. I love everything you said. I feel charged with a mission that I'm not sure I'm up to, but I'm going to, I'll get back to you on that. Well, what I, I would think might be useful is this is, I'm new at this too. This is a problem I haven't had to solve before. Uh-huh. Developmental things, yes, every day of my working life. So maybe you want to get back to me with what doesn't work. That's what we always look at. What doesn't work? And then we've learned something. And then we go from there. So maybe this is part one. Well, it's really a conversation with our kids and just sitting there and and listening to them as if they're grownups, which is, you know, we haven't quite moved into. Like I have to... It's not exactly listening to them as they're grownups. I understand what you're saying. Because the funny thing about adolescents is they look grown up, but they aren't. Mm -hmm. Not at all. It's looking at them like a work in progress and respecting that they've got stuff going on inside of them. They're not just their actions. So we are looking a little bit more from the inside out rather than the outside in. Okay. Well, that's a beautiful way to end. Okay. Thank you so much. I think that 
everyone in my situation is going to really value the advice you just gave us and we're going to hopefully all work hard to, to well i'm thinking of all of you in these challenging times thanks for joining us for your team with sue and steph if you have any topics that you want us to talk about let us know on our facebook page or email editor at yourteenmag.com also if you want to receive our newsletter head on over to yourteenmag.com Your Team with Sue and Steph is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Special thanks to executive producer Michael D'Aloya, plus producer Hannah Leach and audio engineer Eric Coltnow. If you like today's podcast, please leave us an iTunes review or send the episode to a friend. You can find more from us at yourteenmag.com, at evergreenpodcast.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Hi there, I'm Heather Drago. And I'm Sarah Saunders. We host the podcast, That's a Hard No, about saying no and setting boundaries. So you can become that true and empowered you that this world needs. Saying no isn't just okay. It's the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor. So while this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy, I suppose I know what I'm talking about. I'd say so. We talk about learning to say no and set healthy boundaries and how it impacts mental health, physical health, relationships, parenthood, and more. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our website, hardnopodcast.com. We're here to help you find your no and say it unapologetically. That's a hard note.